I had a friend in high school yep. who tried to kill himself by sitting in a garage with the car running, and what it turned out was he didn't die. Mm-hmm. Just really fucked up his brain. And I, you know, I knew that if anyone was fated to fuck up a suicide attempt, it was me. Okay. So, so all right. So there you are. You're still in your twenties. My late. 20s. <laughs> okay. Your late twenties, and you're in uh, some kind of pain about your desire to become some sort of successful literary. I person. think that the not very sophisticated diagnosis is that I was depressed. At that point, my ego was all tied up in my writing. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that I'd gotten any sort of like food pellets from the universe for. And I felt very trapped. You know, like, uh-oh, my five years are up and I got to move on. I don't want to move on. And I felt stuck. And it's not like I felt stuck because I drank, okay? It was like, I felt like my life was over at 28. And I felt really bad. I did not want to feel that, and so I did all sorts of stuff. I would mm-hmm. drink real heavy. I would fuck strangers. Mm. Sometimes I would not drink at all. Not drink at all for like two weeks, but instead I would like run 10 miles every morning in a desperate... Like a very American... I will fix this somehow by taking radical action sort of thing. And here you are promoting this acclaimed book. That's not bad. David, this is nice. This is not real. All right. <laughs> Let me sit up in my chair. <laughs> Shake my, my body off a little bit. All right. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Midweek Matinee, a movie podcast and a Billy Corrigan weed podcast i guess um this week we watched the movie end of the tour with me this week are my fellow hosts blake hello how you doing good blake how are you how's your week been it's been good i've watched a lot of movies yeah what have you watched other than end of the tour i assume you watched end of the tour this week (laughs) no were we supposed to watch that no, we were supposed to watch Legally Blonde 2. You saw that, right? I did watch Legally Blonde 2. <laughs> <laughs> so this week I have watched Legally Blonde 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Did you watch Casper. it back-to-back like marathon? No, one day and then the next. And then I watched Casper. Ooh, the one and, with Christina Ritchie? Yeah, from back in the day. Me and the kids watched that one. Wait, and she's uh, in that movie? Hold on, wait, what? what? I didn't know Christina Ritchie was in that fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's the main, she's the main girl. I mean, like I was also eight years minute, old maybe. when I watched that movie, as she was when she was in it. So, <laughs> yeah. you can't blame me for that. <laughs> there is way less like ghost antics in that movie than I remember from when I was a kid. Yeah, like yeah. the last twenty minutes or so, there's not a whole lot of ghost stuff, and that's when my kids kind of like one by one left the room, and I was finished <laughs> watching Casper by myself. <laughs> I don't know because am I am, am I remembering the end of that right? Where it's like they save her dad. Yeah, so the dad like turns in. Spoiler alert for Casper. The dad turns into a ghost, and Casper was about to become a human, but then lets her dad become a human instead. Mm -hmm. And so Casper is allowed to become a human until midnight that night. And so they dance, and then it's kind of over. Oh, that's right. I do remember the. the, I do remember the dance scene and the kiss. It's Devin Sawa. It's (laughs) it's like the actual Casper, like the human Casper. 
So he's in a movie where he ends up becoming a ghost, and yeah. in this movie he is a ghost. <laughs> yeah, he's That's a ghost for... I don't know. I don't think he does the actual voice of Ghost Casper, though. No. Because it doesn't sound does like either. him. I that, think it's yeah, someone um, else. That sounds like a borderline problematic ending, doesn't it, though? Well, him and Christina Ritchie kiss for like 45 seconds, and it's a little weird. Okay, that is weird. But and a ghost kissed a human, but he's no. human. No, he well, was how, a human how, then. Yeah, that's oh, not so what I'm talking Malachi about. So Malachi Pearson does Casper when he's a ghost. Yeah. And what I was I saying don't know is who that, that is either, though. what makes it weird that a human kissed somebody who is a human <laughs> but is technically also really a ghost? No, the fact that that ghost is probably hundreds of years old. I, that's honestly what I was about to ask if that's yeah. where the problems came from. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's weird, right? Like <laughs> He's always a kid at like in brain though i guess because as a ghost hold you never on age you're born you're giving <laughs> i don't know if we want to open up that line of like are, i guess are you, are you giving pedophiles a way out <laughs> i was like i mean <laughs> only if they're a ghost <laughs> <laughs> dead pedophiles are perfectly fine jeffrey Dahmer is just i do love dead pedophiles grave <laughs> to be fair <laughs> A dead pedophile is the only good pedophile. Mm. Would it be called, would it be a deadophile or would that be someone who likes to? No, that's a ne- that's a it's a uh, necrophiliac, well, I guess. Yeah, necrophiliac. It's a deadophile. I want to start calling them deadophiles, though. I like that. Well, do you yeah. know enough necrophiliacs to really like use Absolutely. this nickname, Tom? <laughs> oh, yeah. Tom from the Baptist Church down the street. Oh, yeah, he really knows how to dance. That's where they're just pumping in fake, uh, fake Christian rocks so that they can pretend <laughs> to be a real church. Yeah, they're that just... was a reference to uh, that was a reference to our movie. Yeah, definitely. Also with <laughs> me this week is Brett. <laughs> hey, I'm here as always. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well. How I'm are you? catching up to you in the platinum game. Yeah, That's how I am. I've got to say, I've been thinking about this a lot. Where there was a couple weeks ago where you hosted an episode and you were all gung ho about talking shit about me being behind, and it has not come up since I pulled a massive lead on you. You did, you did pull a massive lead. I think I brought that up in Triangle Squared. Did you? Uh, I have. That, I yeah, I think in, in in either last week's episode or the one before, I did bring up that we have the competition going. But right yeah. now, you're kind of stomping me. Well, not there? now. No, you were. I think I think you might have caught up, but you might be like one or two behind. If I wanted to be really petty, I would go and stack the trophies on PS4. Oh, if you start doing that, I'm going to go spend $400 on a Vita. Oh, no, and that's that's why I'm not. That's why I'm not. Because I'm so. fine with playing dirty, but I'm, I'm going to play real dirty if I have to. <laughs> I'll go buy the fucking European versions of fucking My Name is Mayo and Ink Explosion if I have to. <laughs> okay, let's get real dirty then. No, I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm not. I'm purposely not doing it. I'm saving that as a salvo in case you decide to play real dirty. That way, I have a backup because you don't have a Vita. That's so true. the I, I only will, way you can stack is really weird ways. Yeah, use like a I, Vita emulator. Oh my god, that would be just dirty <laughs> and probably get me banned. Could you imagine if I'm just pulling so far ahead of Brett and all of a sudden it's like you've been banned for using a PS Vita emulator. Like, like I win for life. I wonder life. if you could get an emulator to like link to your account to even pop trophies. I doubt it. And I that's a good question. That's that's a terrifying prospect I have spent <laughs> yeah, far I really too much well. of my limited money uh, to buy video games to lose it for that reason. Uh, what have you been playing, Brett? Oh, a little bit of everything. Some mm. Life is Strange 2. 
Yeah. I've also been doing uh, a, b- a bunch of the Rattalaika games, which I, mm-hmm. are all ports of PC smaller games, but they're all fun. Yeah. I think that they have really good taste in what they choose to pull over. Right. And everything they choose to pull over, their baseline is like, is it just base- basically a fun game? Yeah. Uh, one of the favorite ones I've played so far has actually been Siberian. Mm-hmm. Um that game is awesome. It's actually really good. has a killer soundtrack. It's really fun, but it's also kind of hard. Like yeah. It's not super hard, but it's challenging, and it takes time. It, think, it took me probably four or five hours to platinum, and I've played it again since then because I just think it's good gameplay. That's cool. That's cool. Um, all right, so I guess we should transition on over to the movie that two of us watched and Blake watched Legally Blonde. Um, yeah. So, Brett, how did you feel about End of the Tour? Wait. Uh, Hold on, I'm sorry, yes. Chris. You've seen Legally Blonde too, right? Yeah, of course. Great movie. Did half of that movie look like a dream sequence to you? Yeah. The lighting is so weird. It makes people like glow, and it's like the. Bl- I don't know if this is actually in movies or just video games, but like the bloom effect was like really fucking high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah, can, can be based it. off of how the lighting is. I've actually I've never seen Legally Blonde two as like a full movie, but having seen it, like having seen people watch it, there's been times where I was like, this looks like a soap opera turned to thirty. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like if you took soap opera lighting and just amped it up. Legally Blonde two is okay. Like the first one's really good, and the second one's yeah. decent. Like it's not a bad watch by any means. So like check it out at least scenes of it because it's fucking weird. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right, that's what we're going to share on the on the uh, Twitter next week. So you can go find us over on <laughs> matinee underscore midweek. Thank you to our patrons. My name. Is- <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, going back to uh, the movie. Uh, yes, I was surprised because uh, one of the things you actually said in the discord which is pretty true of this movie is it's a movie that chooses and I understanding like the subject matter of what it's doing yeah it's not surprising that this would be what ends up being but it's a very dialogue heavy movie mm-hmm. and it's it's a movie that I kind of I tested it out for a little bit and I was just like I really hope I'm not going to miss anything that's just really beautifully shot but I kind of just shut my eyes for a few minutes like yeah. not even like very long like two minutes and I was like I think that you could probably have a pretty good understanding of the most important parts of this movie with your eyes closed. I think like it's mm-hmm. weird that it, it's it's weird because you know with the story being about an author and the book that they wrote, it's kind of interesting to me that if you kind of just close your eyes and imagine it, it kind of like sounds like someone reading a book out loud. Yeah. Uh, in an interesting sense now, I mean not, not just massively because of course there's not like the in-between things that you expect from a book where it's like um, it's almost like you're it's, it's almost like you're actually just mentally comprehending what the book's saying so you leave out all the th- all the parts of a book where it's like and then he exclaimed and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that you know what I mean yeah. uh, so in, in that sense it was kind of interesting because even closing my eyes I was like okay this character has stood up and he's raising his voice or this character is sitting down like it's it's weird how much you could kind of just pick up from the audio and I don't really know if it's just because of the writing of the dialogue and how they chose to do it as well as just the performances from the cast members across the board mm-hmm. Um, but yeah I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed that aspect of it though I did continue to actually physically watch it after that yeah. it was more of an experiment because I was kind of just I, sitting there I was like you know this seems like I could do this yeah. let's see what happens well you're saying it I'm kind of sitting here like I would almost listen to this as a podcast pretty regularly well that's um, kind of what I thought is like if, mm-hmm. if they did multiple episodes of this as a podcast 
that was like one of those storytelling podcasts it'd be fantastic yeah i think honestly i think the only real thing you would miss by not actually watching the movie is like that joke at the end where they're like oh we're gonna i'll take you out somewhere nice and then they go to fucking mcdonald's because they never (laughs) actually say that they're where they went so yeah. like you could definitely see that and be like oh I guess I guess they got takeout from the Ritz. <laughs> <laughs> True, but uh, almost immediately after you have the scene where he's like, "Can I give Jeeves a fry?" So you'd at least be like, "Oh, he took him somewhere nice that had fries," and then they went back. They took it home to eat it. I mean, listen, so you- I've I've had a fifty dollar cheeseburger and I had some fucking French fries with it, dude. So. <laughs> it's it's true. It's possible. <laughs> I get uh, what I'm you're not- saying, though. I'm just yeah. But most people, I'm actually one of those people, I love burgers. So yeah. if you told me you were taking me somewhere nice and then took me to somewhere with a really fucking baller burger, you're on my, you're, you're okay in my book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's the thing about, I think that's a myth in food. I, I, you know, I'm a, uh, not to too much harm, but I'm, I'm a chef. Uh, but I think the myth <laughs> hey. was with food is that nice places are expensive because the best food I've ever had are at places that failed their health inspection and don't have any chairs. That is a hundred percent the best <laughs> food I've ever eaten. Like if I if this is gonna be gross to like eighty five percent of people in this group, but if there's a cockroach in the lobby of your restaurant, you have the best food in the in, in the area. <laughs> I'm I'm not kidding. That is a fact. Because that is a person who could not give a fuck about anything else but the taste of their food. And I have. So, in my experience, I actually, I've waited tables once for a pretty Mm. long stint whenever I was in high school, up until the place I worked at, the restaurant got bought out by CVS. Hence why I do not (laughs) shop at CVS. Uh, Fuck CVS. CVS. Actually, my mom works for CVS. I love you, (laughs) CVS. You're doing great. Thanks for buying it. I'm going to delete this from the show. All the homies go to Walgreens. But they tore Stop it down, it. and I miss that place a lot. <laughs> but we had rats, and we yeah. never really had bugs, but we had rats. And I kind of started thinking and talking to other friends, and I was like, hey, listen. I was like, just be real with me. Mm. You, you work at this place. And I'm not going to put names out there, but I was like, yeah. you know, you work at this place, which is a chain. I was like, how often do you see rats in your building? He's like, eh, more often than you'd probably want to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, no, because I was like, I, I guarantee you, we, we do too. Yeah. Uh, and... In thinking that, I kind of get to the point where it's like, and I kind of love that about this. It's like, let's get something nice. And I love how it plays into the movie itself. But really, all places are disgusting. It's just the yeah. nice, the places that people refer to as nice are the places that are able to hide it the best. Right. People have this myth about food service that we're like the most cleanly people in the world. And I'm like, we do, like, obviously, we take care of our stuff, we wash our hands and all this kind of shit. But like, at a certain point when I'm busy, I definitely haven't washed my hands for like three hours, but at the same time, I always wear gloves because touching raw meat is gross. Yeah. So yeah. it's one of those things. Blake, how did you like the movie? Yeah, it was a really good movie. I enjoyed the food scene at the end a lot. <laughs> okay, Blake, we, we do a podcast. <laughs> so even if you have nothing to say, pull it out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really enjoyed um, this cause... week on pull it out of your ass. <laughs> I don't want to watch that movie. <laughs> I've watched that movie. It's pretty good. Starring Remy, Remy LaCroix. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. I um didn't know anything going into it. I didn't realize even that it was based on like a true story and like actual interviews and stuff from a real yeah. author and a Rolling Stones investigator, writer, investigative journalist, journalist. investigative journalist. I don't really know. He was just like a journalist. So 
I'm glad you said that, Blake, because the whole time I was watching this movie, I was kind of like, man, if this, I, I, I didn't know at all that it was supposed to be based off of something, but I had that feeling of like, if this is not based off of actual of something, this is really, really good writing to come up with this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. According yeah. to a friend of mine, a lot of the writing is taken directly from the interviews themselves. A, f- a friend. So of a lot of it is like word for word what was said. You know, according to a friend, I don't yes. know how, you know, grain of salt, so. Yeah. But. Yes, that, that is a fact. Okay, cool. All of his, his tapes. Um, so how, how did, I'm curious how this movie hits you guys emotionally. Because I think that is going to be the main th- reason why I think this movie is a genuine masterpiece. And you guys probably may, may not. And that's kind of where I want to go with that. So Blake, like, how does how did it make you feel? What does your heart say about the movie? <laughs> well, my heart will go on first of all. Uh, <laughs> it's been eighty-four years. <laughs> Speaking Fucking of, Christ. next week we're watching Titanic. No, Blake. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, I, I didn't have. I think if I had player. known who the author was beforehand. Or like uh-huh. even like even after I still don't really know who the author was. I've never heard of him. Um, I think it would have hit me a little harder. Like I thought it was really good and it was sad towards the end, but beside beyond that, like it didn't really it didn't touch me in any way, I guess. Mm. Brett, how about you? I I think I'm a little closer to you on this. It's one of those movies that when you watch, it's not something that you immediately look at. Like, okay, it, I think the biggest comparison I personally have to a movie that we've watched so far that I think just touches in in a way that's super grounded Love is face. Prisoners. Um, I think Prisoners is the one that feels the most <laughs> like go. it's not trying to be a it, – it's not trying to be – uh, a larger than life story which I think a lot of the movies that we watch even when they're kind of grounded like a lot of the Scorsese film stuff that mm-hmm. you see they still have this larger than life feel to them and something I yeah. really like about this movie uh, and Prisoners you know is kind of like a it's not that it's larger in life it's so much as it feels like this is a really dark situation but it's almost like you're just kind of getting the camera in on something where you're peeking in on actual people's lives uh that's what i think like really really great storytelling is is when the there's no disconnect between you watching the people and just 100 percent being like this is kind of just like it's it's weird when it comes to fiction <clears throat> because not all it, depending on the type of fiction it doesn't need to be that but when it is something that takes place in a normal world if they can manage to get rid of the disconnect between feeling like you're watching somebody try to create something that was real then it's amazing when they can do that and i think prisoners does that well and so does this the whole time i was watching it it really hit me a lot of the times some of the things you're talking about, I think are just real human emotion mm-hmm. like, that I, I definitely know that I feel a lot. There's a lot of remarks that are made from the, uh, the author. What's his name? David, uh, David Foster Wallace. Foster, yeah. Wallace. Uh, I should remember David Wallace pretty easily. The office <laughs> shout out. Um, <laughs> but I didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of things that he says that as somebody who considers myself somewhat creative, there's also a lot of the crippling stuff that comes with that. And there's also Mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff where you do start to feel overly good about it. And then you start to overly kind of use it to lean on where you get attention from. But then just as soon as you get that attention, you feel like a fraud because you're like, it's not actually that good. 
and either these people are lying to me just to make me feel better about myself or yeah I'm just I've I've managed to trick them into thinking I'm much better at what I'm doing than I really am. And so stuff like that really hits hard, but I think the biggest thing that the movie does from an emotional standpoint is just feels like they're dropping a camera in on two people's lives mm. that are not characters, they're people right. and that you're just watching it go through. And somehow that makes everything that's done within the context of the movie despite it really not being all that, you know, over the top or dramatic. Uh, in the sense of how you'd expect for film, it right. ends up feeling way more grounded in a way that connects with you. So I agree in a way that feels very personal and just different than most movies. It hit really close to home without having to be the blockbuster magic or, you know, mm-hmm. I guess it's, it's kind of hard to describe, but it definitely had an emotional resonance with me. Uh, and also, God, dude, shout out to Jason Siegel. Oh, this is so such good. a big change from what I am typically seeing him in in movies, and I was really surprised with yeah. how much he killed it. Were you looking for some Marshall in your David Foster <laughs> Wallace and you didn't get that? <laughs> Honestly, I had moments where I did see some Marshall in it, surprisingly, yeah. but it's always like the lowest tone of Marshall, and not that we should be using <laughs> Count Your Mother as a connection point here. No. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just... I know he's a great actor, but yeah. he's normally the actor that kind of gets to play the lighthearted, fun roles that have their their moments where they're kind of down on themselves. Mm. And to see him play a character that is still, in an essence, that in a much more realistic, non-television way or non-movie way, mm. um, but also just lives way more in the side of kind of, I guess, on the more downtrodden side. And I think it's a really... It's a realistic thing. Mm-hmm. Fame is not what everybody thinks it is. And yeah. I love that that's kind of a point of the movie of like, hey, you don't really want to be me. And I love how uh, the other, you know, Jesse Eisenberg's David says, I don't. And then later, and whenever, you know, the movie's ending and he's doing his read through, he's like, I wanted exactly what he had. Yeah. It was, and uh, he wanted something different. Yeah. I just thought that was like a, I love that because it's like, of course, in the moment, no one wants to admit that that's what they want. Right. You know, definitely when you're sitting there talking to the man, but Okay. So I've told you guys that I write, right? Like I think I've said that on the podcast before. And like every yeah. time I give someone my book, my books I'm I think I'm like four hundred pages into my book now. Yeah. And it's almost almost done. And every time I give someone a section and they're like, Oh, this is really cool I'm like, Okay, it sucks, you're fucking lying. Every <laughs> single time. Because like it's it's hard when you put that much into something to actually at least for me to actually feel like it's good you well, know you like the movie says even even yourself it's weird so you can really probably speak on this as a writer because most of my mm. creative energy goes towards music and then you know the podcast is creative energy but it's just essentially kind of talking stuff out with other people right but music being more akin to the authorship here and then you being an author which is really close to what the movie's hitting into it's it's singular creative uh energy instead of something that's more communal like a podcast is and when you do that you create it in kind of an isolation and like of course i am making music with casey but that's a little it's still a little different than Mm. something like a podcast and i know definitely right now 
the more I get to where I'm working on something that is mostly me, like in this particular moment, actually, I'm working on a song that's about something real personal to me. And I've right. pretty much wrote the entire song. Right now, I'm recording all the vocals, writing all the lyrics, and I've pretty much written, written this entire song, which is not normal for the projects we've been doing. But in that, I'm way more cautious about showing people this. Yeah. Every time I go to listen to it, it'll go from one moment being like, oh, that really sounds good. That's awesome. That's great. Mm. To the next moment being like, no, that really doesn't sound that good. Oh, no, that, no that, that, that just absolutely sucks. Why did I ever think that I could do this? Right. And then I finally mustered up the courage to show one of my friends and he's i mean glowing he's like oh my god i think this is my favorite song that you've done since you know, you've been doing this new project and i immediately i'm just like i i know him as a yeah. person and i know he wouldn't just say that but there's this huge part of me that's just like he's lying yeah there's no oh, way it can be that good absolutely it's like something where like in, in my book it's it's something where i'm writing where like it's kind of it's like I consider it like fantasy horror and it's about there's this it's basically about my brother's backyard okay. but yeah. in terms of that where it's like the I, the earth is hollow and inside the earth is all like monsters right so they yeah. hunt they hunt monsters but like in my head it sounds really cool but it's almost embarrassing to tell people that I'm like you know and it's like ah oh, what am I some fucking loser you know and I try because it just feels weird when you're putting so much energy into something that you're really excited about and mm-hmm. then like my brother's not a fucking fantasy nerd I can't even get him to play a fucking video game so like when I tell him like <laughs> oh yeah it's about these fucking things here and then I tell him about one of the jokes I have in the book where the character wants to be called the gunslinger and one of the guys one of the, the the vampires he he's friends with it's like you can't be called the gunslinger because Stephen King has a character called the gunslinger and it's like <laughs> five paragraphs of them arguing about it and I think it's really funny but like every time I talk to someone about it and they don't know that whole thing like I don't really get it and that's just like crippling for me you know where it's like mm-hmm. fuck if you're not gonna understand this well you know what the hell you know and that it's I don't know I so I get where it's really hard when you like you think something is is going to be really good and you give it out and people especially when like you're giving it out to friends and family mm-hmm. and you're like they're not going to be mean to me if this sucks they're not going to tell me and that's the w- if anyone's listening who I ever give this book to and it sucks and you don't tell me I will not forgive you <laughs> <laughs> okay Chris. genuinely yes Chris I have I have a great proposal for us okay. right now Let's do I it. think you should send me your book in its current state, and right. I should send you this song I'm working on in its current state, and we should just use this as the hey, okay. you know, self check, knowing that we just want an unbiased opinion. All right, where are we at? So I think that'd be really interesting. I'll Wait, do you a favor. I want I'll in. send. I want in. I'll, okay, I'll okay. send. I'll send I will to you ship too. you both. Oh boy, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that I made from scratch, and then we have to give you what our feedback is on it. Yes. Are you going to disinfect it. it first? Am I going to what? <laughs> You're gonna disinfect it first. No, I will spray it with Lysol before you put it in the in the sandwich bag. Brett, I'm down with that. I will do you a favor, and I will only send you the first part of my book. Okay, but what, whatever think, you whatever you think is the best slice. Well, I well, just three thousand pages. Have, so, well, I just don't think you have the time to read four hundred pages of an unfinished manuscript. So, I'll send I, you I might. Little. I mean, I'd definitely be willing to try. Hey, send it to him. He'll get less platinums. <laughs> oh, good point. All right, I'm going to send you the full thing, and then I'm going to send you the companion novel I'm working on. <laughs> I don't know. This It's going to be... I've already said a lot of things that are weird for me to talk about, but this specifically is this movie... 
uh, every single time I see it, it makes me cry. I say it made me cry today when I was on the pooper before I saw the the show. Like it's just it's a movie because I've dealt with depression and stuff like that. I was I was hospitalized for the same thing he was. So like watching him and seeing myself, like it's hard. So no, like, I uh, completely understand that. Yeah, uh, thankfully I've never gotten down that dark and surprisingly the song that i'm writing is about probably the, uh, the thing that's caused me to be the most depressed mm. i've ever been in life um which also feels weird when you get depressed about something that you feel like so many other people go through it's like why the fuck am i sort of sad about something that everyone else eventually has to face um yeah mm-hmm. just a weird yeah. weird thing well it's one of those things where everybody feels that way right you know if my dad listens to this, I love you. This is not a, a thing against you, but I remember there was when I was in therapy, and my dad, my dad used, to, my dad knows this. He used to be kind of a dick, and there was one time where I remember in therapy he said, um, "My life was worse, so why are you depressed?" And that's <laughs> it's one of those things where like people don't under people who aren't inside your head don't understand. You know, yeah, and that's that's the thing, and that's what's really interesting here is where if you we really watch this movie, a lot of it is these two people being jealous of each other for completely different reasons. You know, and I think that's what's super interesting. It's like Lipsky wants to be David Foster Wallace, and David Foster Wallace wants to be literally be nobody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually love that dynamic because you see it shift between mm-hmm. the both of them, and it causes all the tension between the two of them. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's really interesting. in the weirdest of ways. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the most interesting thing is that you see every time that David Foster Wallace is just trying to have a conversation and Lipsky is like, this would be good for the article. So he pulls out the tape recorder. You see uh, Foster Wallace like recoil and like go back into himself. And mm-hmm. I find that really interesting, especially right at the beginning. He's like, oh, what happened to you? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, who's interfering you? And then you see Foster Wallace like, oh, right. I can't have a real relationship with this guy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, him realizing, or both of them kind of realizing that they're friends, but they can't be friends throughout, like right. at different points of the movie, was probably like the most interesting part to me as well. Mm. And that's why I, I wish there was more context of what happened after, because I would love to know if, like, after that they were friends, because I feel like you maybe you can't be friends in that instance, but like eventually you could be. I would like to think that, right? Because mm-hmm. that. No, he died. No shit, but he died 12 years later, Blake. <laughs> oh, gotcha. My bad. I thought, um, never mind. I thought, yeah, gotcha. That was, a, that was a very much different man at the beginning and end of that movie. <laughs> um, but hold on. I don't think we should completely ahead. discount the kind of talking about that. What makes the movie so interesting, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird that they don't really talk much about you know the death. It's like the, literally the beginning of the movie. It's the catalyst for why he goes back and kind of listens to the tapes, which yeah. are shown to you as if you were back in the original time. I really uh, I like the way that the movie kind of plays into this thing of like, Wallace is always talking about how he's lonely and he doesn't have mm-hmm. someone to go through here. And that every ounce of success he continues to garner only pushes him further into this sea of loneliness yep. because then you are constantly on the edge of not knowing whether or not the people that that are around you are around you because they actually want to be around you or because they want to be around the image of you that the fame has created. Uh, yeah, or, or if you're around them to 
gain from gain for yourself from their fame. So like, you know, just as essentially what you're looking at the article, it's like we're seeing David Plinsky or whatever his name is be essentially constantly going through this thing where you see him like i'm gonna make something of this like even though i I like this guy and i'm trying to be friends with him and i like that the movie touches on that it keeps coming back to this idea of like uh every chance i get where he's not around me or doesn't know exactly what i'm doing i'm still putting in all the work that makes this beneficial for me outside of just meeting an interesting person and knowing him you know what i mean right and so when you look at that i kind of view the suicide in the long run as him finally giving in to what he knows he can't never get it's just him going years and years and years of trying to push off this loneliness that he can't seem to get away from and wanting to go back to a normal life that he'll never be able to have and that's just kind of what draws him over the line. And I and I like that the movie kind of frames it under the thing of like he already had these tendencies before he was even successful. Right. You know, he had these tendencies when he was successful insofar as people gave him props and credit for his writing, but just a small group of personal people where he could get attention from them that he wouldn't otherwise get. But once it moved to the level of being overall stardom where you can't get your name out of people's mouth it's essentially a, a point where you never know if what you're doing and if, if someone likes you because of who you are, because of what you can do or what you can do for them or what their fame could do for you or, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, one of those, it's one of those things that it's going to sound really dumb. Cause I'm just a dude doing a podcast, but I've always worried, like say my book did blow up and it became mm-hmm. this fucking crazy thing. And I was famous. Like, how do you ever have a real relationship after that? Like, yeah, if you're not to me it's almost one of those things where like if i don't find the person i'm going to marry and have kids with before that then i almost feel like you never can and -hmm. i feel like that's kind of the same thing again it's one of the reasons this movie hits me so hard because it's the fucking same thing i worry about all the time right like all this at the beginning where it's like you know there's been a lot of times these past few weeks that i've wished i was married yeah and that's kind of him conceding that of like Mm -hmm. you know i'll never be able to find someone that okay going back in the movie and maybe Blake and you can kind of say if y'all, if y'all notice this as well. So he had that line and that dialogue about what that is and how he wished he was married and the implication that he can't find someone that he knows is going to be just with him. And you kind of see that in the conversation between him and the other David when Mm -hmm. he's asking, well, why aren't you married? Yeah. Uh, And you kind of see that play out. But then whenever David is being perceived as being flirtatious towards the girl that Wallace likes, uh, or really the girl that Wallace once dated Betty, yeah. I think was her name. You see this thing take over where I, I think you see two things happen. I think that's like one of those moments where we get to see Wallace wanting to be David and kind of being jealous that he's not because like here, this here's David Plinsky or whatever his name is, uh, trying to go, uh, not e- seemingly not even really putting in it's Lipsky, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I keep saying it the wrong way, but, uh, he's like not even really putting much effort into having to do anything. And he's getting this Betty girl's attention and coming off as flirtatious. And you see that <clears throat> affect Wallace because he has that moment where he's kind of yes. looking. He's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like he talks about it. It's like, Hey, I, you know, I dated her just have this respect for me, but it's almost more like it's, Hey, I dated her and she's, I kind of took it as she's one of the only people that I know liked me. Yes. At one point in time prior to this success. That's, ex- that's so exactly if, what I was going to say. If I could ever get her back, then I would at least know that she likes at least some version of me. And he talks about, he's like, you know, I don't think people ever change. I know that there's, he goes, I still think parts of me, those parts of me are in me. 
I just do my best to try and keep them from essentially winning. Mm-hmm. And I think that all that plays into, I think that he kind of views Betty as his one shot at a potential relationship, even though she's not really like, interested in him in that way. I think, I think the most interesting character moment for me, and you may not, you may not have even noticed it, right? Is they're having this conversation. I think it was after the mall when they were all at each other's house Mm -hmm. and you see, uh, I'm actually wrong. It's not that scene, but regardless, you see people talking to David and you see him turn his head and roll his eyes. And that to me was like, that that's one of the scenes where I'm like, okay, I get you, you know, like way Mm -hmm. more because I do that shit all the time. Like there's, I'm going to just frame this in a way where nobody will ever know. But there's a guy at work who just doesn't shut the fuck up. And it's the same story four times at night over and over again. No, I have this problem with this guy. And then an hour later, did I tell you about the problem with this guy? And you have that same reaction where it's just like you're smiling to his face. And then you turn away and you roll your eyes. Like I said, I just connect with this movie so much. More than almost any other movie. I think that's why I like it so much. I'm still trying to remember what I was wanting to go back to. And it's a line in the movie. And there's so many things that he says that are just like, holy shit, man. Well, I I think I might have one for you. It's my, my favorite line is when he's talking about the person, um, jumping out of the skyscraper because of the fire. Yes. See now that, that's not the one I'm actually thinking about, but that is a hell of a line. And I actually remembered and and typed Mm -hmm. some of it in and remembered the rest of it because I thought it was so good. It wasn't a chemical imbalance, and it wasn't drugs and alcohol. I think um, it was much more that I lived an incredibly American life. This idea that if I could just achieve X and Y and Z, that everything would be okay. There's a thing in the book about how when somebody leaps from a burning skyscraper, not that they're not afraid of falling anymore. It's that the alternative is so awful. And so then you're invited to consider what could be so awful that leaping to your death would seem like an escape from it. I don't, I don't know if you have any experience with this kind of thing, but it's worse than any kind of physical injury. And maybe in the old days what was known as a spiritual crisis. Feeling as though every axiom of your life turned out to be false, and there was actually nothing. And you were nothing. That is, it's all a delusion, and you're, you're so much better than everybody because you can see that this is just a delusion, and you're so much worse because you can't fucking function. It's really horrible. don't think that we ever change I'm sure that I still have those same parts of me I'm trying really hard to find a way not to let them drive yeah it's a ooh it's a killer it's a, it's a fucking killer thing to say because it's it's so true yeah that's Especially because it, it, go ahead sorry he said it like years before like 9-11 to where that was like yeah happening yeah, yeah. 
Which that's one of those moments where going back to the fun fact about how most of the dialogue was actually directly from recordings. Yeah. I I wonder if that was actually from something he said or if that was added in as kind of like a reference point for people because I don't think anybody who has witnessed any of nine eleven doesn't remember people just jumping mm-hmm. because yeah. it just seemed like the better alternative. Yeah. Well, I, I've read his book, and that is in the book. So I, I don't know that that's a not real thing, but at, at the very least, the book talks about that. So I just looked that book up, The Infinite Jest. So good. On Audible, it's $91. Holy yeah. crap. But, dude, if you're ever going to read that book, you cannot, you cannot read it in audiobook. It's not possible. It's physically impossible to read it that way. There's what footnotes. You have oh, to read the book. Yeah, it's it's long. It's it's twisty. It's confusing. And then there's the footnotes. So gotcha. like, if you ever want to read it, it's worth reading. But you just you can't do an audiobook. It's not possible. Okay. Well, the good thing about Audible too, Brett, because you, you get if you sign up for like fifteen dollars a month, you get a credit and you get any book with that credit. So. Mm-hmm. You can get it for much cheaper, technically. This week's episode, since we were demonetized from YouTube, is sponsored by <laughs> Audible. <laughs> Audible, call me, please. With Audible, you can get on the internet. No one will know where you're at. And you Audible, can, like, there's a full... Stuff. You, there's a full library of books you can read. I recommend <laughs> this book that I read this week. I'm sorry. We're making fun of... <laughs> We're making fun of ourselves because we all read. Yeah, <laughs> and I also really enjoy Audible. Oh, I, 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 I've been I an Audible subscriber for years. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I would be so stoked if Audible was like, "Hey, do y'all want to be a sponsor? Do you want us to be a sponsor?" <laughs> we just hit them be up like, and be like, "We totally made fun of your ad reads, but we'd like to do a real one." <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, this as long as they give us the the movement, you know what I mean, like the the freedom <laughs> to kind of be able to do it the way that we think is good for who we are as people <laughs> hey, if you ever want to start the fellowship of the ring 13 times and never finish it try audible <laughs> <laughs> i am the midweek matinee and i have read audible books uh that was bad but you know the manatee lives forever in my nightmares i really wanted to talk about it mostly because i think in a lot of ways there's a lot of places that i could go and have a conversation that might help other people but that now that we're actually recording the podcast i don't really want to fucking talk about it you know (laughs) so i can see that well one of the things i know that for sure i thought was just an interesting thing for the movie to kind of touch on and i'm assuming it's something that the author himself touched on considering how the movie's framed around I like the effort of kind of going in and having this, you know, the whole back end heroin storyline, which is teased from the beginning of about these rumors. And then you kind of believe that it might be true because he talks about how this attention is like, you know, <laughs> uh, heroin being like ejected straight into your cerebral cortex. Yeah. Uh, so you're like, oh, that's pretty interesting wording. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but I like how when he's kind of going through that and he has that thing like, no, it's not true. He's like, you know, I've I've told you what one of my main addictions is, which is TV and drinking. And you see that at the beginning of the thing, it's like these are things he purposely has outside of his house. Yeah. And I kind of like the touching on the fact that, uh, and this is something I truly believe too, for a long time I kind of existed in this thing of like, you know, there you have these drug addictions and alcoholism and these are bad things. And I think a lot of people exist within that realm. Um I think less and less as you know we go a little bit more into our generation, but definitely the older generations kind of teach that. In the South, I think it's a little more perpetuated, uh, even though 
kids still grow up to do those things. But mm. I really like the focus on kind of being like there are more addictions than what you're giving credit for in this particular moment. And mm. they, and all of them can be just as bad as any of the others, depending on how much you let them control your life. And I, I like that kind of talk because I feel like too often movies and, and, and television and stories and people around you will talk about the bad things about drugs and alcohol, which of course can be bad. They do have their times when they spin out of control. But I don't think people ever really like to talk about like drinking way too much soda can be an addiction and not oh, yeah. being able to stop eating way too much and not knowing where your stopping point is and using that as a coping mechanism. You know, these are things that it's interesting, but a lot of people have addictions that they don't want to claim as addictions because by claiming them as an addiction, you're giving them the negative stigma that people typically carry with the word addiction. Yeah. yeah. But I, and, I also think it's something where once you call it an addiction, you have to stop. Or at least you know it's a problem. And right. once you once you admit and use the terminology of addiction. Yeah. Because it's true where like it might sound bad, but if it's not a designer addiction, like people don't care. Oh yeah. yeah. Sure. It's it's gotta be glamorous and dramatic. Yeah, because like I don't know, I've come to realize like I'm addicted to weed and I'm a hundred percent like very bad with my food i don't know if it's an addiction because i hate myself most of the time i eat you know take it how it is but with weed especially i've been trying to quit and even right now i'm sitting here like do i th- could i get weed could i get weed i could you know mm. and it's hard to deal with those things and it was especially like with the quarantine especially it kind of all came to a head where like i would smoke weed all day play video games all day i would eat all day so then i just ended up gaining all this weight and then it makes you feel really shitty right Mm -hmm. like and it's it's super hard to break these cycles and i see it with him and i've definitely seen it in myself and i've gone to lengths where like when i was younger like i don't think i've ever actually told anyone this but i was bulimic because i would just eat as much as i want i would go throw up and then i would start eating again (laughs) i don't know it's like i said he his it's tv addiction is you know not the same but it's true it's like these things that like people don't like i've told people like i'm addicted to weed and they're like you can't be addicted to weed yeah and like, of course what the you, fuck can. Do you, you mean? can be addicted to literally anything yeah. the people yeah, that deny that are the people that are like hot weed cures cancer bro like it might cure cancer but it might cure cancer dude but the thing is like well it kills in like a petri dish but like a bullet yeah. kills cancer in a petri dish and like you're not going <laughs> to shoot yourself like <laughs> yeah no the thing that people don't understand is like you don't necessarily get addicted to weed you get it i i'm addicted to leaving work after a stressful day and smoking you know yeah, yeah. you're not addicted to the substance so much right, as you're addicted right. to what's around it because it's yeah. kind of like it goes back to like you were talking about food and i know like it's not that I'm addicted to food so much as I'm addicted to using food as a coping mechanism for depression. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's the hard thing where like you struggle with depression. Like I've, I've struggled with that my whole life and then you eat and it's one of those things where like you feel good for that moment. And then it's it, when I come, when I add the weed to it, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't, I'm high. So I don't care that I feel like shit about eating mm, and yeah. I'm eating and I'm feeling better so then I'm just always eating, you know, and it, it, mm. it fucks you up. And that was the, that's the sad thing. It's like, I do lose weight quickly too. I like, I think a couple, like it's been two years since I was losing weight regularly, but I lost 60 pounds in like four months. Mm-hmm. And then that's when that's, I had to wild. realize, well, I appreciate yeah. that. But that's when I had to realize that like, I had to make changes now. Cause I'm like, 
I'm looking at my fitness pal and I'm like, oh, this time two years ago I was 60 pounds lighter. Oh shit, I'm almost as big as I was before I started losing weight. Well, like, it goes back to kind of like the the less fanciful version, you know, the much less dramatic version of the quote he mentions about the people jumping from the building. It's like, right. if you look at it, we're doing the same thing. What, what are we doing? We're looking mm-hmm. and we're going, well, or at least for me, it's like, you know, I can eat to kind of to use that as a coping mechanism to deal with my stress and my depression and it's like what i'm essentially doing is going well i can either hurt myself and put my family in weird times or i can do something permanently stupid to myself or i can do this thing that i know is not good for me and hurts me in a lot of ways a lot of the time often eating feeling great in the moment and then as soon as i'm done feeling like shit because i ate way too much and then you kind of have that moment in your mind where it's like, well, now I feel like shit. Why did I do that? And it's cause like mm-hmm. in the moment your brain was just like, well, this is better than the alternative. Right. And I've and, had times where like I've gone and I've, it, it was one of those things where I would notice where every time I would smoke, I would come upstairs and eat. And there was times where I was just, I would eat something and I'd be sitting downstairs playing video games in my room. And I'd be like, why did I do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you no, know? dude, constantly. <laughs> To the point where it's like you've treated you've you've trained your brain to think that this is the way you're supposed to deal with these situations. Even if it's like a subconscious thing. Like, you know, there'll be times where I'm feeling weird for the day and I'm not quite even I don't even quite notice it. And then I'll start noticing that I'm just having like a weird proclivity to want to just go eat something. Even though I'm not hungry, I, I don't I you know, it's weird. But all this stuff coming back, like, you know, there's something I wanted to touch on before because it's one of those things, you know, you talk like you feel like you're addicted to weed and you pretty yeah. much know you are and it's, it's, you know that about yourself, but it's shirked off because it's not one of these, it's not one of the ones that people typically look at as being things you'd be addicted right. to. Well, uh, just to add some context, it's one of those things where like, if I could control my eating, I wouldn't care that I'm addicted to weed. You know, so yeah. I don't know if that adds a dynamic to it, but I, it, I, people who don't deal with it don't understand, but I cannot control it. I don't know why, but it just, it's, it, it's impossible. Well, like to t- to tie into that, like I know I'm really bad. Like on days where I'm really stressed or really depressed, mm-hmm. one of the two, uh, I notice that like I'll be driving by a restaurant and I'm like, oh, I like that place. All right. Yeah. And like, perfect example there's times like you know whenever i was probably my most depressed there'd be times where i'd be driving and i'd be like there's wendy's i wasn't even hungry wasn't driving to do anything with food like there's wendy's i'd be like i don't need that and then i'd literally just be telling myself i don't need that and Mm -hmm. then suddenly i'm in the drive-thru wendy's ordering a bunch of fucking food and you're just like what and and the whole time you're like what how the fuck did that happen yeah, yeah. I'll tell a story that was probably the, the original time I lost weight. It was the worst I think I've ever felt about myself. Where I went for a smoke ride, and I was just driving. I would think I was driving for like an hour, and I stopped mm. at three different drive-throughs and oh ate my. three different meals. I had Arby's, I had Wendy's, and then I had Burger King. Holy! And shit, I remember coming home and being in legitimate physical pain because <laughs> I had just eaten so much food. I don't know why I did it. Like I genuinely couldn't tell you to this day that yeah. like why I did that. It was like fucking forty dollars of shit that I didn't even want. I was just like, I've never had Arby's. Fuck it. Oh, I guess I could go for a Whopper. <laughs> you know. And I was none of those times I was hungry. 
Well, then, definitely tying into what I think is, and I don't know if I could completely consider addiction so much as proclivities, proclivities toward the ability to be addicted to it. I think there was a point in time where I was noticing I have very unhealthy parents in terms of mm-hmm. the way that I was raised around sexuality and how, you know, when is when things are appropriate. So I had to like definitely one of the things I had to grow up the most on uh, is this feeling that I think I just have from being exposed to it of just not really knowing the boundaries of when and when not like when, when and when you shouldn't be worried about sex and thinking about sex and all that shit. And a couple of years back, probably like five years ago or so, uh, it's it's probably the closest thing where I had somebody just shirk off something that I was trying to be serious about. Uh, I was with my best friend Blaze, and yeah. I was with my wife, and I was kind of like, I was like, hey, I was like, you know, I was like, this is really hard for me to talk about. I was like, because it's something that I don't understand, and I know I shouldn't be this way, and I'm not yeah. really understanding what it is. I was like, you know. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm either a sex addict or at least I I am building towards becoming one if I'm not careful. And they both legitimately laughed and thought I was joking. And it made me not want to talk about it at all for months later. And it was bad because it's like, you know, the best way I can describe it is like I never act on it. But, you know, like I'd just be sitting there doing something, minding my own business, and like a girl would walk by and I'd be like, in the was some weird back crazy part of my brain and be like what could you do to get her to have sex with you right now and then my other part of my brain would be like what the fuck is wrong with you and it's like it it, it was like scary i didn't well, like there's, it saying there's a weird societal like stigma against anything wrong with guys and sex mm-hmm. does that make sense like yeah we no, are for sure we are told like from a young age even like getting with a teacher is okay whereas if it's the other way around it's not okay yeah and, yeah, yeah sure and it's not okay either way. I'm not saying it should be okay yeah. both ways. No, sure. Yeah. Well, like but, you, and it's you, like you, with you with sex sorry. addiction, like guys are like quote unquote programmed. That's that's kind of a loaded term, but I don't really know what else to say to think that like having all of the sex is okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Whereas girls I mean, have like one of the sex and it's very bad. I will, yeah. yeah. I will say, I don't know if this puts you at ease or it says something about me. But I a hundred percent think if I how, think of a way to try and fuck every girl I've ever met. I'm like, not, it's, but, uh, it's weird because parts of you are like I can understand the basic thing, but it, it, it made me feel even worse. It's like I, I'm like I'm happy I never act on it, right? But you right. have that thing in you. It's like, but I'm like you know I have a kid and I'm married. And it's like I don't I don't like these feelings I don't like this this is not cool. And what I was originally kind of talking to them about was like I was kind of trying to talk to them be like you know. Uh, maybe I should go see a therapist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, as soon as they laughed it off, yeah, you couldn't do. It. I, dude, I immediately stopped talking about it, and I didn't. I didn't go see a therapist or anything. Yeah, and I've kind of just managed to work through it on my own. But that's the kind of stuff you see here. It's like you see in this movie this man who's working through his own stuff and just it, it speaks. This movie speaks so much about just real life things that people don't right. really think about. And I think that that's what that's one of my things i just love about the movie so much is it's it's so i feel like so many parts of my life and so many things i've experienced were touched on in this movie uh and that's just it's that's what makes it so hard to like, it's a masterpiece in a way that doesn't it doesn't feel like any other masterpiece i've ever given like mm-hmm. you know that kind of credit to yeah and i'm sure there are other movies that do it but the how groundedly it does exactly what i'm talking about is just surprising and i feel like rare yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. 
I, I've always grown up with this idea that guys, that men don't cry, and I don't cry very often. And I, <laughs> fucking four times for this, this movie that I've seen four times. It's mm-hmm. just every time. It's the same. Cause it's the most real depiction of how I feel mm-hmm. about myself and about the world that I've ever, I've ever seen. <laughs> where it's almost hard to watch in a lot of places where it's like, Jesus Christ, this is making me feel bad. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I do totally. It's it, I, it's just such a, and now that I know that this is a real book, I have a really big, strong urge to want to go actually listen or, or listen to it, maybe on Audible or or even just pick it up and find a way to read it. If you, um, I'm telling you right now, if you listen to it on Audible, you will not like the book because <laughs> I listened to I think three, four hours of it, and mm-hmm. I I thought it was a terrible book, and then I picked it up in on my Kindle, and it was better. Yeah. It's, it's a brilliant it's a masterpiece in my opinion it's also like yeah. 57 hours long on audible i mean it's 1079 pages so yeah so it's uh, I not think even that would be the stand-up. longest book i've read i think the longest stephen king one was like a thousand and like 20 i think was like it or maybe the stand or something the stand is like or under the dome or something like that Man, that's a really long book. <laughs> yeah, the, stand, the Stand is incredible. It's one of the best books about God that I've ever read about that's not about God at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went through a huge Stephen King phase in high school and read mm. a lot of his books, and that was one of them, which I don't remember a whole lot of. I remember not liking it as much as a lot of the others, so I haven't revisited it. Like, I've now listened to Under the Dome three times and read it, and then same with... Um, it i've done that one a few times too so well i knew that this was going to be an episode that like depending on what blake kind of you know the depending on where he picked up on it i was curious to see in what personal ways it kind of dove mm-hmm. because i feel like it's the only way that's the only real way that i can talk about the movie not that it's yeah. not like even i mean it's a well put together movie it's a good story the way it goes through is great the performances are yeah. exceptional it's his it's, best performance by far i think Oh yeah, no, I definitely say that of all the things I've seen from Jason Segel, it's definitely yeah. his best performance. Yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, I think it's Jesse Eisenberg, like not his best because I think the Social Network is like the perfect mm-hmm. movie for him, and I think he played that fantastically. But yeah, but I think he did okay in this movie too. But I think just next to Jason Segel, 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 Segel. Yeah, I think that it's it's hard to compare to some because I think he was fucking phenomenal. His thing is just like he's playing a guy who's hiding all his emotions and also on Lexapro. So, like, (laughs) (laughs) he has to put all of that into a dude who ostensibly... I See, I was about to say something, but it's interesting because what I was about to say is basically the entire point of this movie where just because they're famous doesn't mean they're happy, you know? And I was about to be like, you know, Jason Seal's probably a pretty happy dude. And then I'm like, oh, well, maybe not. Sorry if you're feeling bad, Jason. (laughs) You can talk to me if you want. My DMs are open because no one follows me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I kind of figured when we talked about this, it was either going to be a 30-minute episode or we were going to have a lot of, like, hard conversations, I guess. Yeah. I'm glad that me and Brett went on a journey and I'm glad that Blake's life is perfect. So (laughs) I'm I'm kidding, Blake. (laughs) I've... I would never judge a Mohawk it's just, by its cover. I, I think but. it's just clear that... <laughs> I never judge a what? Hold on, Brett. <laughs> I didn't hear I said, him. I heard I said something. I would, 
I said I would never judge a mohawk by its cover. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had that mohawk for weeks, man. Take it back. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't help your case. <laughs> you know, I think that different people obviously have things hit them different ways, and I think different people process stuff differently. So I, I definitely see this movie as being a thing that I wouldn't be surprised, and, and that sounds weird. I wouldn't be surprised if someone watched this and was like, oh, it was good, but it, you know, I didn't see it as a masterpiece because I think it's just, it may depend on just personal experience and how much this movie brushes up against things that you feel like you've dealt with. And maybe it's something that, I have this thing where I feel like everybody's a creative and they just don't always know it or don't always do anything to tap into it. Um, but I definitely feel like this movie taps into a lot of what creators go through because you have that situation where it's like, uh, well, you're obviously doing stuff. Like for me, it's all the stuff I'm writing, the music I'm writing. I'm doing that just to have fun. But there is the clear goal of like, it would be really fucking rad if I could do this day in and day out as mm-hmm. like a living. Or you think it would, right? And then you constantly go through the thing of like, well, you know, I've actually had the thoughts, not that I think I will get famous, but you got, you got to go through the thing of like, let's just say on a weird situation we put this out and we do get famous yeah i have a wife and a kid that i would have to leave behind to make any form of money doing this welcome (laughs) (laughs) and so but you but you deal with that it's like you this movie touches on both sides it's like everybody thinks they want to be famous but a lot of people don't really know exactly what it is to be famous and sometimes it goes back to that grass is greener on the other side thing. It's just you always think being famous is going to be awesome, and as as a you know as a pedestrian, just a standard person. And then the fam- the people who are famous always have moments where they be like, "It'd be so great to just be a normal person again with no expectations." And that's me. why like every rapper musician has at least one song about how fame sucks ass. Yeah, it's a very common thing, but still, it's weird that as much as media talks about it and has stories that are all about the downsides of fame, something about it still is so alluring to people that most people these days, even when they don't have an actual skill of any kind, not all people, but it's amazing how many people are aiming towards being famous. And I mean, you could technically kind of loop us into that because I don't know necessarily that we're skilled at being podcasters and we're doing a podcast. Now, of course I'm doing, doing that primarily. Yeah. Fuck yeah, we are not, but, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just, I think when you look at that, it, it, it like definitely our current generation, I think it may, maybe even brings more true in our current age. So it's probably always been true that even with knowing all the potential downsides or having things that would at least try and get you to look at the downsides, there's something that's in us instinctually to just be like, we're meant to be famous. And I think everybody kind of has that in them Mm -hmm. without like very few people. I think are content with the idea that they may never be famous. I think most people exist with this thing of like, there's a chance I could be famous. I think now, especially with social media, you, there Mm -hmm. is a chance you could be famous. Yeah, no, they're definitely anyone. Is. Like if if you're if you're hot and you have a nice ass, make yeah. a TikTok, baby. Yeah, make an OnlyFans. Like if you'll you, be famous. if you make really dumb, funny songs that are just like not even good, but they're just make people laugh. Bam, you right. got it, dude. You there's know? a guy. Speaking of that, there's a guy on Spotify. I'll have to look it up, but he played the Spotify um, system, 
and all his songs are just reading the Wikipedia of towns in my state, and it's genuinely fucking hilarious. Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I live in uh, Maine. <laughs> you don't sound like you live in Maine, bro. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much more there is to talk about with the movie itself. You know. Yeah, no, I think that we. I mean, don't be wrong. There's, we can talk about other stuff, and I really wish I could remember the one thing. And I, I knew when it was being said that I should have had notes, but my daughter came in, and I was mm. trying to t- deal with her because I was watching the movie while also kind of taking care of her, which I try not to do. But my wife had a meeting she hey. had to go to today. Mm-hmm. It happens. Was, yeah, was it does. Any, so I, I'm sad I didn't put it down. But was there any chance that you wanted to talk about the masturbation talk because i thought that talk was no but i do love it because it's pretty true (laughs) yeah Uh, i just love the uh um if you're uh it's it's pleasant way to spend a few minutes but if you're doing it 20 minutes a day (laughs) if your primary sexual relationship is with your hand something's Mm -hmm. wrong yeah uh I think yeah the, across the board though I just I do think that the core of this movie for me and and the experience I had with it was how it touched on things that I feel like tap into my own personal life. Absolutely. Uh with that being said though, mm-hmm. um I really did like a few. I was a little surprised cuz I kind of was thinking like you know this movie doesn't need to be beautifully shot, but then they had a couple of moments where they'd pull into really wide scenes, like really wide camera shots and it would be, you know, Jason and and Jesse Eisenhower kind of walking out in areas and Eisenhower. having the <laughs> <laughs> you know president eisenhower <laughs> yeah I, I don't even know i know why Eisenberg. i said that i know i know why i said i have a friend whose last name is eisenhower and apparently my brain doesn't work at 12 o'clock at night um <laughs> i just like being but, a you're good <laughs> no uh, it is eisenberg and i don't know why this is, anyway um when you're seeing those scenes there was a couple that were really pretty like when they're walking out uh and it was more interesting too because it was after they had like that really crazy night where they're kind of like yelling at each other and then <laughs> and then like the next morning they wake up and we're back to old chipper david wallace <laughs> yeah uh, but i like how they walk out i just thought it was a really pretty scene and like even just the, the area around <laughs> in which he lived i was like oh, that's that's pretty i'd like to go see something like that when they were walking out on i don't know if it was just a big frozen field or if it was like a frozen lake that they were walking out on but it like was like a, a lake, real yeah. wide pulled shot you see them walking out and there's lens flare and the music happening behind it i was like across the board this is just a really beautifully shot scene and put together mm-hmm. scene well, I, it's funny because it makes me think of one of the lines I really like. It's very subtle where um, uh, Lipsky is just like, oh, great view. Wall's just like, you can't take credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, yeah. Oh, man. And a I bunch just, of really like low-key funny lines. Yeah, I think it's a, a lot of the stuff I really like about him is like, he's kind of always a dick, but he's doing that thing that I think people who feel the way that he does, because I know I do it, where I'm always nice, but almost everything I say is kind of mean. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's where, like, I have this really big thing where, like, I can't, I can't feel, I can't say things that I want to say without needing reassurance. Like, fucking Blake can attest. There was an argument that we were having in the Discord, and I think I sent him, like, eight messages where I'm like, is this okay that I say this? Am I being a dickhead? Is this too aggressive? Am I going to piss somebody off? And that's just, like, I have that in my head at all times where I'm like, okay, can I say this? Will you understand what I mean? Do you get that it's a joke? Like, and... I I always put LOL. 
Even if it's not funny, if I'm not like yeah. trying to be a jerk, I always put LOL. A hundred percent of the time. <laughs> it, it, I've gotten to the point with LOL where I had to say to someone through a text where I'm like, I don't actually mean that. I don't know why I said it. <laughs> because like she was talking about something serious to me and I was just like I was responding totally normal, but just out of habit I would put LOL at the end. And yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not laughing that your dad is sick. I just always do that. And she's like, No, I, I mean I we've been texting for a long time, I get it. I'm like, Okay, thank God, because I could be a real asshole. Just feel like Borat doesn't get the not jokes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, your dad is sick. Nah. nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we need to do that movie. <laughs> yeah. We need, to, we need to sprinkle some more comedy in. I think here recently we've been doing a lot of heavy movies, and that's a little unfortunate yeah. because my next movie was going to be a somewhat heavy movie, and I think it's my turn to choose this week, right? Yeah. Either yours or Josh's, but speaking of Josh, Josh isn't here on the episode. I forgot <laughs> to say that. Did we not mention that at the beginning? I didn't no, mention he didn't. it at all. Oh. I was so worried about getting through the intro without having to stop eight times again that I just <laughs> moved it right along. It's cool. You can just edit in that Josh is not here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. I forgot to say something because I don't like hosting and I was scared. Uh, He'll be back next week from here. Well, I guess we'll go with the typical thing right before the end of the show. Is there any scenes we want to talk about? I know we kind of did talk about scenes, but maybe a very specific thing. <laughs> For me personally, like there wasn't really any standout scenes. I think the movie mm. just worked as a whole. Does that make sense? Like there wasn't yeah. a particular scene where I was like, I could rewatch that scene or anything like that. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I liked all of the scenes. <laughs> most of the movie is so personal that yeah. I, I almost think it'd be weird to have. Oh, it's so personal in a grounded sense that I think it'd be weird to have scenes that just really played out in a way that was like oh i could just watch that happen over and over again in like yeah. a in this in the normal sense of how you'd mean that uh, i didn't but, see the trailer for this but i imagine it was a hard one to edit down mm. oh yeah yeah i'm sure i think it's probably just full of a bunch of the david wallace qu- like quips you know what yeah. i mean <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to kind of um, make it seem funny and then you get in you're like holy shit this is kind of funny still but like not what yeah. i was expecting <laughs> mm. Uh, going back to the scene I talked about on the on the lake, though, something about the way it was shot and filmed and the music and everything, it kind of just gave me uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind vibes when they go out and walk out on the lake, um, which is a fantastic movie. I don't know if either of you have seen it, though. I, I have imagine. not. Mm. Oh, really? Neither of you have. Wait, what movie was it again? I'm sorry. Could you repeat it? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I think I watched it in high school, but that means I slept. <laughs> but yeah it came out in 2004 and it was like jim carrey's first kind of like more indie role where he was doing very serious acting and it wasn't a big release it was very small kind of like what you'd expect from something kind of like this it was more of a passion project but it's a very good movie uh it's also yeah, I've heard really good kate things. what's her name blanchett or whatever yes from titanic kate winslow i don't know what it is kate winslet Winslet, there we go. Winslet, Winslow, <laughs> just combine the two and you're good. There we go. Well, you 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 named an entirely different actor first. You said Kate Blanchett, but she's like, a person. Yeah, it's just a different. That person. is, yeah. She is was the one who played. Uh, she was in Thor Ragnarok. She uh, was the. I can't remember the character's name, but she, she was played Thor. Thor's sister. <laughs> I mean, she definitely held the hammer. 
Oh, I can't stop hey, She paid a sex she joke? Hella or whatever her name is. <laughs> it wasn't a sex joke, but it's funny as a sex joke. She held Thor's hammer. No, because that's an incest joke. We can't. <laughs> oh, I didn't know they were brought. I've never seen the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't either, but I remember the trailer showing that it was his sister. But that's okay, I guess. Uh oh. Am I the I live one in Georgia? Gone? It's fine. No, I hear you both. I think we just weren't talking. All right, I think <laughs> I'm going to talk about my scene, and I just want to talk about how um, he's talking the whole time during that masturbation. The masturbation talk is talking about jerking off, and then he starts talking about like the future. And I was watching that scene, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" There's VR porn. Yeah, of course. Like uh, all the shit he's talking about, where it's like, you know. It's all fine in low doses, but once it becomes like the main staple of your diet, you're gonna die. Like that. Once I realized, like, oh shit, all this stuff he's saying is coming true. Like, damn. Well, man, I like the way it's said. He says you're gonna die in a very meaningful way. You're going right. to die. So it's like the implication of like you're not going to physically die, but you're gonna die like emotionally. It's gonna be the death of who you are as a human and a person yeah. because you're not gonna be forced to stimulate mm. yourself against anything else ever right. again. I think I think that's especially interesting because I feel like in a lot of ways that goes back to the marriage thing where it's like mm-hmm. you know he got addicted not necessarily I don't know if he got addicted to it but he was addicted to the TV so maybe he lost relationships that way you know mm-hmm. I know that in like a fucking abstract way the fact that I sit here and play video games and ate food forever until I like recently started dieting that definitely cost me opportunities mm-hmm. you know and it's the same thing you know yeah, it's yeah, like, it's what could you be of. doing if you weren't doing this? Well, it's one of those things where, like, if I had just continued dieting for another fucking month, I would have been in good shape. And then where would I be now? You know? But instead, I started smoking weed again, and I gained all my weight back. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> um, I guess that's it? Right? Sure. Is there yeah. anything else we want to say? Um I, I do just want to end the episode off with, you know, if you are feeling, you know, bad, call somebody. You know, the suicide hotline prevention number is 1-800-273-8255. You know, there's, you have a lot of stuff to live for, even if you feel like you don't. So I feel like that's just a good way to end the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Brett, please go ahead and tell us what we're watching next. Actually, no, apologies. Blake, what do you rate the movie? All right. <clears throat> oh boy I give it three and a half out of five you're a fuck Brett, I know I'm sorry movie? like I guess uh, that just I, didn't click with me I guess I get yeah like I, I really liked the movie I thought it was really good but, you know what mm-hmm. it is is that last week we said he was giving out five out of five <laughs> so now he's like now he's like none of your movies will ever get five out of five but all of mine Fuck will kill movies <laughs> Well, I can't like, wait to watch another pretentious movie. Watch as soon as Blake's you know as soon as Blake's rolls back around, it's gonna be five out of five. I guarantee you. <laughs> fucking Citizen Kane. He's like, oh, I am gonna be pretentious. That. I love that five fucking out of movie. Unironically, <laughs> it's a fucking great movie. I believe it, but it's it still makes me laugh that you said I don't mean to be pretentious in an episode about a <laughs> 1950s French black and white film. It's so funny to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Brett, what's your rating? <laughs> It, it, it exists in that thing too where i think that it, i i have a hard time not giving it a five because of just how much it emotionally hit with me i mm. don't think it's just like some um, I, I don't think it's like the most beautifully 
shot movie i you know but it, you know it's not about that i guess i feel like yeah. for what well, the it was all shot on do. a gopro oh but yeah i uh I, I feel like if i gave it anything less than a five i'd feel like i was betraying myself just to try and find a nitpick to try and be more objective but realistically i don't i don't know that i need to be objective with this movie i think for what it did for me i think it deserves a five that's awesome i'm really another five are you kidding me yeah, okay. exactly. Blake. Sorry, you're going to have to turn that down in a post. <laughs> uh, come on, son. I'm going to to be cut out because I don't think there's a way to save that. You blew the <laughs> microphone so fucking yeah. far out. I'm just getting you out of here, dude. Tossing you in the trash. <laughs> you got bad takes on a perfect movie. This is a 5 out of 5, if not a 6 out of 5 movie. So Good choice, though, for real, Chris. I, I Honestly, yeah, I like when, whenever you said it, I was like, this is a really interesting thing for Chris to choose. And uh, I was surprised coming away from it just how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, really I, I, I genuinely think I would watch this again. Uh, mm. Like, you know, I'd probably not soon because I need a little bit of time. But, Heavy. you know, but well, yeah. I was I was honestly worried because when I when we were picking the movie, I don't know if I'm going to leave it in the last episode. So you may as an audience member, you may or might not hear this, but I was like, this is a super depressing movie. And I don't know if you guys, if we should watch it. And I, my big worry was me hosting it because I like to fucking joke around and, you know, we didn't make any porn jokes and I was not going to bring out the midweek manatee this week. So it was kind of almost honestly, interesting for me to kind of yeah. host the episode differently. Yeah. As soon as I start, I get, as soon as I like probably 10 minutes into the movie, I was like, oh yeah, the midweek manatee will, manatee will not be in, in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like no. I just don't see how it's going to happen because it's just going to come off as kind of like weird and mean. Yeah. <laughs> like I like it'll just come off pointless and like we I don't know. It's it's weird when you choose to have something like that come in, but uh, yeah, I did really Midweek Manatee is usually not weird, so That's true. <laughs> he's a parent. He thinks he's a well, so I mean, you know. <laughs> so Chris, yeah. what was your rating? Is it a 5 out of 5 if not a 6 out of 5 like I said? Okay, oh. my bad. I forgot you said that. You're no, right. This is this is legitimately like rewatching it. Kind of affirmed. This is probably my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> that's good, man. That's, I'm that's glad bold. you picked it. Another notch on my A24 belt too. <laughs> yeah, that comes back to the what I talked about that that last episode when I did say that that I feel like A24 just has such good taste behind mm-hmm. what they want to put their name on. I think the lowest I've ever given one of their movies that I've seen is like maybe a three or a three point five. But like they're all borderline, like at the minimum, really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right, well, I guess I got to choose the movie for next week. Yeah, Brett, what are we watching? Do it. Are you ready for it? Kindergarten right. Cop Three: Return to Kindergarten. We will be watching Shrek. Yes! <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, Let's go. Let's I'm not, go. I'm not joking in the slightest. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Fuck yes. So, yeah. Um, I know that's going to be a little bit weird for you, Blake. I'm down uh, for it. It'll be better than Spirit hey, Away. So here's here's a real question. You have you ever it. watched Shrek? I imagine it's something you would have watched as a kid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I grew up on Shrek. Yeah, I'm about to say it's it's hard to meet someone from roughly our age group that has not seen it. I mean, I've probably seen it like have, twenty or thirty times. In all honesty, bro, I, if I not more. Sh- 
I have the Shrek soundtrack on vinyl. Let's Dude, it's, fucking uh, it's go. It's so good. It's one of the best soundtracks. Now, here's the thing. I don't... I, License I, I, I've never listened to the soundtrack out of the movie because I love how it fits into the movie. And yeah. that's something we'll talk about. But does the soundtrack you have also... Does it include just the actual songs that yeah, they have the licensed songs. in the movie? Or does it also include the tracks that were written and composed for the... I think it's mostly the licensed ones. Well, I, most of the movie is licensed. And that's yeah, what now. I, I think so, it's all the, yes. You're an all-star. <laughs> so are we going to watch Shrek the movie, or are we watching the YouTube video, Shrek is Love, Shrek is Life? We will be watching two Shrek entirely the movie movies. from 2001. Am I, is that right? That sounds right. Probably. Yes. Sounds about right. Yeah. Shrek. Yeah, I didn't and mean to sound see. like I didn't want to watch it. I just did not expect you to say Shrek. Like <laughs> that was the last movie I would have ever expected. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I that seems like a movie it. I would pick as a joke. So it kind of <laughs> like, oh shit. I don't know if this is true, but apparently in the UK, if that's where you live, you can stream all four Shrek movies on Netflix. <laughs> there are four. I've only seen yeah. two or three. Shrek, Shrek Two, Shrek Forever After, and Shrek uh, Life After Death. Biggie album? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, for I thought Forever After was four. It was Shrek, Shrek Two, Shrek the Third, and then Shrek yeah. Forever After. Um, or Ever After. It's in the yeah. fucking name, dumbass. All right, dude. So it looks like it <laughs> is available to be streamed on uh, Prime Video. It doesn't say if it's included, but it, it's out. it's. This has Prime, so, and it's included with Prime. Let me see. Not necessarily. It it can be, it is not included with Prime. It doesn't look like it looks like it is instead a um, situation to where it's the just only place rentable. to watch it in America with a sub is Freeform, which is the ABC Family whatever they changed mm-hmm. their name to Freeform FF. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Besides that, you can buy it for roughly nine ninety nine in most places. It's nine ninety nine on Amazon Vudu, or you can rent or you can rent it for three ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. I'll check that uh, disc to digital. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we should send off the show. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's about that time. Appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, you know, Real as quick. a group, uh, sad that Josh wasn't here, but I'm going to get to surprise him with letting him know that he has to watch for <laughs> next week, which I hope he's ex- as excited as Chris was. Honestly, me saying it, Chris, Chris's reaction was all the validation I needed to know that I chose <laughs> the right movie. That's a good pick, man. I'm not going to say what the movie I was going to pick was, and I literally just changed on the fly mid episode. So, oh, see, now I want to know. Hey. <laughs> Shrek is disc to digital on Voodoo, so if you know how to do that, you can do that. I won't explain it on a podcast, though. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think it's time to go ahead and round the show out. So, thank you guys for joining us, of course, uh, for another episode of Midweek Matinee. Remember that you can go and follow us on Twitter if you want to be part of our social media stuff. You can find us on, on Twitter over at matinee underscore midweek. Uh, you can also find us over on Facebook under Midweek Matinee, uh, just a group that you can uh, follow. And we have post stuff there all the time, like screenshots for the movies that we're watching that week, different polls, news about certain movie things that we like to share. So go follow us on there. It'll also let you know when these episodes go live, which is every Wednesday, right around noon CST, sometimes a little late because I have a job and uh, 
it's not always perfect. But uh, with that said, if you want to catch more of me as, as well as my buddy Saul, you can find us every week on Monday uh, doing Triangle Squared, which is a PlayStation-based gaming podcast. So we do talk about all gaming uh, as well. And you can support the show if you'd really love to with more than just your time, which we are ever so grateful for, by heading over to patreon.com slash nartech, which will get you your name shouted out at the end of every piece of content that we do, as well as episodes of the show uh, episodes of this show early. Uh, but with that, we will see you guys next week. Thank you. Thanks to our patrons, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, <laughs> Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude. Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Bacon Bits, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanland, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Shabib, and shout out to our new patrons this month, Jason Clendenning, Zachary Sawyer, and Allie Valiant. If you would like to see more, head back over to patreon.com slash Not Thank saying you. that watching TV is bad or a waste of your time any more than like masturbation is bad or a waste of your time. It's a pleasurable way to spend a few minutes, but if you're doing it 20 times a day... What? If your primary sexual relationship is with your own hands, something is wrong. Yeah, except at least with masturbation, you know, some some action is being performed, though, right? Isn't that that's better? You could make me look like a real dick if you print this. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to, but if you can, speak into the mic. Yes, you're performing muscular movements with your hand as you're jerking off. But what you're really doing, I think, is you're, you're running a movie in your head. Mm-hmm. You're having a fantasy relationship with somebody who is not real, strictly to stimulate a neurological response. So look, as the internet grows in the next 10, 15 years, and virtual reality pornography becomes a reality, mm-hmm. we're going to have to develop some real machinery inside our guts to turn off pure unalloyed pleasure, or I don't know about you, I'm going to have to leave the planet. Why? Because the technology is just going to get better and better, and it's going to get easier and easier and more and more convenient and more and more pleasurable to mm-hmm. sit alone. Images on a screen given to us by people who do not love us but want our money, and that's fine in low doses. But if it's the basic main staple of your diet, you're gonna die. Oh, come on, in a very meaningful way, going to die. Hello, Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink, Care of the Funny Farm.